0: of January I feel like this month flew by real fast I think I achieved a lot of things and at the same time achieved nothing that's how it always feels I suppose living this artist's life I've been having a lot of intense dreams lately they're very very complicated uh, they actually kind of border on nightmares because I feel like I'm always like close to like, at the edge of something, and then I don't get that thing. Like, uh, for instance, I've been dreaming about a lot of ex-boyfriends, like, guys that I don't really think about. But it's like, we're, we're back together, and then we're about to fuck, and then we just don't fuck. Like, what is that? What kind of blue-balling kind of nightmare dream is that? Why? It's a dream. It should just happen. Because come on, but it just never ends up happening. It's very annoying. And the other kind of dream I keep having is missing my flight. That's more of a common dream, missing flights as a dream associated with anxiety. But in this case, it's like almost every night I'm having this kind of dream where I miss a flight. And I don't know what's going on. It's very bizarre. It's very weird. I think I am being pushed to become more self-reliant. As an artist, as a writer, as a visual artist, I am currently planning my first ever art show. It's going to be a stand-up comedy and art show. It's going to be on February 11th at this art gallery space called My G. It's on West Pico in LA. If you're in town, please come. Please come and see our comedy show. Enjoy our artwork. I'm probably going to be selling prints of my artwork as well. So come through, come through and check out uh, LA comedians who are also visual artists and the lineup specifically has other stand-up comics who happen to be you know like comic strip artists and animators and toy designers like mural artists we're all we're all different kinds of uh, expression expressionists I suppose so come through and. Check it out. Check out our work and catch a great show. It's going to be free, but the show will be donation-based, so we'll just be accepting whatever donations you have for us, and then we're going to split it amongst ourselves. So that's going to be on February 11th. Please come through if you're in town. Today I'm talking about a show called When a Man Loves. It's a, an NBC Korean drama from the year 2013. It stars Song seung on and Shin Se-kyung. And it is written by Kim In-young, who wrote quite a few Korean dramas, some of which include my favorites from the year 2000 and 2001. Uh, Truth, which came out in the year 2000, stars Cheju and Yoo won And a year later, she wrote Delicious Proposal, which stars Son Ye-jin. And her shows tend to lean towards the hyper excessive and camp. So Truth. And When a Man Loves are both pretty campy, pretty ridiculous. They include a lot of that K-drama trope, like memory loss and amnesia after car accidents, okay? So that's definitely her in her wheelhouse. She also wrote a show called Unkind Women, which stars some behemoth actresses like Kim Heja, Cheshira, and Tojiwon. And it's a really funny, heartfelt kind of show with b- bizarre plot lines. Uh, but it's still somewhat couched in practicality relative to some of the earlier shows that she's written. Kim Min young also wrote a more recent Korean drama called Black Knight, which also stars Shin Se-kyung. And it is such a weird show because it came out a year or two after goblin became a mega hit and it attempts at a similar sort of goblin-esque fantasy tale but it wound up being such a crazy show like it just didn't make any sense and there's this one scene in black knight that i cannot erase from my head no matter how much i try like when i saw it happen my mouth was open and i just I was just like breathing out of my mouth the whole time. Like, I think I was yelling. (laughs) It's such a crazy scene. So in this scene, in, in Black Knight, you have an older witch who takes a younger witch and starts spanking her across the ass for misbehaving. And oh my God, I will never forget that image. It's like a historically insane scene. I don't think I'll ever get over it. I I'm like a different person after I saw that scene. Like I'm no longer the same. I love Korean dramas because the writers are like Kimin Young, and she weaves a crazy tale. She's balls to the wall bad shit. it's excessive insane and it's glorious when a man loves has some intensely camp moments as well very very crazy like how can this even be happening this should not be happening like it really pushes the envelope at times and what also impresses me about this show is hong seung on because Song Seung Un has been this pretty boy all his life, since, since the 90s when he came out. And his entire career was built on his good looks, right? And he's made some radical choices as an actor to fend off this this perception of, like, the pretty boy image, right? Like, he's done some really ridiculous TV shows that when I'm watching them, I'm just like, I can't believe he's willing to go there. And he always does. Song sing also taken some risks. Like, he's done a very sexy movie called Obsessed, which came out in 2014. It's got a lot of explicit sex scenes in that. And I think Song sing an interesting actor because because of this desire to break expectations of himself like he doesn't just play a standard handsome pretty boy lover type he really goes beyond that by playing these insane complicated radically weird and zany sorts of characters and his his choices at times do seem laughable but because he's willing to go there, I respect his acting chops and I respect him as an artist. That's right. You can be camping crazy and still be an artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Today's guest is JP Puttenvital, who is a young comic based in Los Angeles. He's a very interesting guy. He's got some interesting perspectives. He's got some great answers for the flashcard questions. Let's talk to JP. Oh, you have a cat. Yeah,
1: I have a little cat. Hi, cat.
0: Her name is Baz. Hi, Baz. Cute, like Baz Lerman.
1: No, her full name is Bazinga Bunny.
0: <laughs> How old are you, JP?
1: I'm 25.
0: Holy shit, you're really young.
1: I'm a little small child. I'm not that mm. young. I mean, I've done—I don't know—I've done stuff that old people do. <laughs>
0: Like what? Name. I've rented a car. Okay, that is a grown-up thing.
1: I've lived life. Lived life. Yeah, I've worked jobs. I don't know. Yeah, I've done adult things.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Those are all adult things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not stuff that children do. I raise. Well, not anymore. Uh, You do raise a cat.
1: I do raise a cat. She's very. Hi,
0: Baz. Hi, Baz. Cute. That's a very chill cat just do you do that care a lot. oh wow oh that's sweet <laughs> <laughs> um how long have you been living in la
1: i i moved in la in 2019 so like in may of 2019 whoa okay so like two years maybe three years i don't know
0: yeah i don't know how long so ago
1: okay. that was i think that's three years
0: it's gonna be three years in 2022. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Well, wow. So, okay. So you moved to LA, and then literally like less than a year later, you're in lockdown.
1: Yeah. No, that was fun. That was that was fun for me. Uh, I was yeah. actually working at Disney Channel when I got uh, when lockdown happened, so I got fired. Uh, oh shit. Which is now I, I'm not. I don't have a problem with now because it's not really what I wanted to do. But at the time, I was like, oh, darn. Yeah.
0: It's it's painful to get fired. What were you doing at Disney Plus?
1: I was at uh was at Disney Channel, so it was like there. Oh, Disney I was in their animation department. Okay, I was an assistant to some of the VPs in current series. Got it was just cool, but it was like the because I wanted to be a writer in kids television, which is still something I want to do. But the annoying thing about like going the assistant route is you have to lie about what you want because if you want to like stay at the company, you're pretty much If you're like, I was the assistant to producers, so pretty much they had to. I had to say, "Hey, I want to be a producer," and then maybe two years later, say, "Never mind, I want to be a writer," and hopefully they liked me enough to transfer. I do want to be a writer, or I want to write in kids television, but uh, Mm. yeah, I mean, like, it's nice to work there and be close to it, but it's like you're not really doing what you want to do, and it would have been like two to it would have been like five years of work just to like maybe become a writer's assistant. And like that, I would have had to like lie when you're an assistant, if you want to be a writer, you have to lie about what you want to do. Like I was an assistant to producers. So if I told them, like when I, if I got there and I was like, Hey, I really want to be a writer. They would have looked for any excuse to fire me
0: because they're trying
1: to breed their successor.
0: Right. Right. So I pretty much had to
1: be like, I want your job.
0: I, I heard that a lot. I, um, there's another comic he used to work for like one of the networks, one of the big networks, like maybe NBC or something. And he was uh, in TV development and his goal was of course, to one day be writing TV shows. But if you work in admin, then they hate having people who are interested in the creative pursuit. Like it's very much segregated like that. I don't know why it needs to be, but it is like that. And, uh, Yeah, it's kind of like, I'm sure you've heard this rumor, but like, you know, at the comedy store when waitresses try to become a comic, like Mitzi Shore used to hate that. She used to get mad at that. It's similar to that. It's like, whatever task you came in to execute, just focus on that and don't think about anything else. Like, that's the expectation.
1: It's definitely like, stay in your lane. I think that like, for the whole industry, there's this whole, like, you're not, I mean, you're not supposed to mess Mm -hmm. with people. You're like, here's mm-hmm. yeah, the comic. If you if I see, like, a big comic that I like, I'm not supposed to say shit to them.
0: Mm. And they
1: can do whatever they want to me. Like...
0: Mm. Right.
1: Pretty, I think, uh, like, young comics are pretty much being hazed until the day they make it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's not just comedy. It's, like, in any... With any job, with any institution, with any organization. Like, the hazing never stops, I feel like. Yeah. And, um, you know in in those circumstances it's like i i mean i admire what you did which is just that you kind of let that job go i mean it, it ended for yeah. you but you let it go i'm sure you were able to collect unemployment which is great yeah that was and nice. and you know you still get to be a comic and you still get to retain your dream so good for you for sure,
1: and like get stepping away from that job allowed me to get into comedy more and grind harder with it which is yeah nice. now i do like I have a weird job now i i do graphic video i do graph like motion graphics for board game tutorials
0: oh that's awesome
1: yeah it's like i work for a youtube company who board game publishers will send us their games and be like can you make like a tutorial for it and i'll do all that in after effects
0: that sounds kind of fun that sounds pretty dumb
1: it's more tedious than anything but it's like it's easy and i can stay home and kind of do it whenever i want so i can work my schedule
0: that's great. Yeah. You can't ask for nice. more. Can't ask for more. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you uh, move from?
1: I I grew up in North Carolina, and then mm. I went to college in Nashville, Tennessee.
0: Holy shit. Yeah, okay.
1: and then I moved here.
0: So you're like a proper Southerner.
1: G- yeah. my Yeah, vaguely. Uh, my dad's Indian, so we grew up in like a weird Southern household. And I went to a fucking... I went to Belmont University, which mm. is... I don't know if you know, it's the country music school. Like, it's, it's the country music school where, like, Brad Paisley and, uh, and like, fucking all those people went.
0: Whoa. And I went
1: there for, for film,
0: Uh-huh.
1: which is a dumb decision to do on my part. I guess really? it was, I mean, it was kind of cool, like, at the time to go to film school. And yeah. now I'm just like, mm, I don't like movies that much. What? I like, I like movies, but I don't. I think like that wasn't the right place for me. And when you're in a, when you're in an area that's like, when you're just surrounded by a ton of peers who are way, I don't know. I, I, I got really annoyed with that pretentious, like we should all go watch the Godfather vibe. Oh Okay. I'm like I don't want to watch the Godfather.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's with every film school, every film school, they make you feel that way. They make you feel like you're an idiot for not liking Annie Hall or make you feel like an idiot for right. uh, liking, I don't know spongebob whatever it is that you like yeah, but that's what that's what it's built on
1: yeah it's, it's like until people can make their shit they have to like go off of their, their knowledge and their big brains i remember yes. the summer after the old the 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 really bad suicide squad with will smith and uh-huh. that came out i liked it and i was <laughs> like i liked it. i thought this movie was fine and i had fun with the montages and i was looking forward to it and i went back to school and it was like i liked it and everyone was like fuck you sir you can't like that movie
0: Uh and
1: it was like what the fuck i i like i don't know i think bad movies are more fun than good movies mostly because yeah
0: yeah yeah no i agree and it's like every movie has its merits for whatever Mm -hmm. they're good at you know like suicide squad is known for its colors and its graphics and its effects and um you know other movies are more plot based other movies are more realist or the acting or the direction or the lighting like you know it's like yeah. everything depends on how you decide to look at it to um, me it's
1: also like knowing i mean just like being out here and at least going to film school i don't know everything i'm not like a, i'm not really in the film business uh-huh. as much uh-huh. as I like i'm not paing uh-huh. but i know i do know what it takes to like make a movie and it's like right. a lot it's Years of work. Yeah. So which is why it is insane for me for for anybody to say anything bad about a movie. Yeah. When somebody's like, This movie sucks, I'm just like, You aren't this mean to murderers. <laughs> like somebody will be like they they murdered a bunch of people and they're like, fuck that guy. But if somebody makes a movie that disappoints you, they go they are like, This is the devil. This is <laughs> Satan
0: that's a really good point that's true people take art very personally it's amazing yeah it's amazing how they take art personally that they did not they, themselves create that's the no, funny like fucked up part yeah they either love it or they hate it or they're apathetic to it but the it's fact like when, yeah. everything takes a lot of time and effort
1: everything does it's like when people are mad at star wars they're like i they're like so pissed that the new star wars movie sucks and i'm like you're in a, you just watched them you just what, what that was like that's a cumulative nine hours of your life mm. you could uh i'm sure you watched it more than once but like what well, you didn't make the movie you weren't right. involved in the process why are you so upset
0: exactly that it's exactly exactly because it's like imagine being the creator of that you know movie or that series you know and and you yourself as a creator imagine you being the creator and being disappointed in the work that you just put yeah. out do you think they know
1: it's bad like before they release it
0: i think so i mean i heard um quite a few people say like oh sometimes like i'm on set and i'm working on something and i have no idea what the hell where the hell is headed or sometime i'm yeah. on set and we're making a film like you know uh, matt damon said that he said that about oh, it was, like, his Chinese movie, like, The Wall, The Great Wall. Oh, The
1: Great Wall. I remember that one. Yeah,
0: and he was just saying how, like, he really knew that this film was a train wreck because he was yeah. part of it. Like, he saw all the things that were going wrong with it. But it's, like, once that, I mean, something as massive as a film production with, like, millions, if not tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in place, is, like, once that ball gets rolling, the only thing you have to do is just do all the work and make sure you, make sure you finish it. You know, that's all yeah. you really can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. Do you ever, like, feel oh, like, shit. do you ever write a joke and then bring it to a stage and you're just like, you know it's a bad joke and you're not even excited about telling it, but you're just like, let's throw it out there anyways? <laughs>
0: um,
1: or are you like, are do you write it, when you write a joke, are you like, sure? Are you like, I know this is funny? i believe in
0: it i try when i'm writing a joke i usually like if i'm sitting down and writing i usually make sure that there is a punchline that's really the only goal and once i have the that at least a punchline then i'll bring it up on stage and then i'll riff around it and Mm -hmm. uh you know um that'll create more tags or whatever but i usually make sure that there is at the very least a punchline unless i'm just always yeah unless i'm just only going up and riffing because sometimes i'll do that like have you done like yeah, like sure. set list mics like i love those set list mics but yeah I,
1: or like yeah the improv mics yeah i like doing those yeah i love this mics. are you because i used to watch like the meltdown set list uh-huh uh did you ever watch that the nerdist used to have a show no oh it was no, no. called the set list it was my favorite one of my favorite comedy shows because it'd be like Robin Williams and Eliza, wow. and just big comics. would go uh-huh. into the meltdown, yeah. And they'd have it would be one of those like set list kind of things, yeah. Where they, they, but it was the best prompts, yeah. It would be like Kyle Kinane has one of my favorites. He got like I sell breast milk wholesale, uh-huh. or it'd be like fake erection pranks, uh-huh. or it would be inner monologue of a dissected butterfly, yeah. And I'm like just wait because I do, I do, I do the improv mic. I'm like, I think I I go uh I live right next to fourth wall okay so I go there most every day uh-huh. and do their mic yeah mic
0: and it can be fun yeah I love those mics I usually write some of my best material just doing those kinds of mics or oh
1: yeah that's the best way to do it right or yeah are just talking to a friend yeah yeah that, like riffing with somebody is the best way to like write. uh-huh and that's why uh, like
0: comics talk all the time basically but yeah yeah. I
1: play a game with my roommate who's a comic. I don't even know Forrest Wheeler, uh, no. but he we play a game called Things You Can't Say, which mm-hmm. is just we'll try to one up each other on things we're not allowed to say on. We should just can never say this on stage. Okay, keep this keep this away. Yeah, this should not be. But it's just terrible things, and it's a fun way to like develop ideas for like darker premises. I don't yeah. do a lot of dark jokes, but it's, yeah. he does. But it's like. Uh, I'm trying to think of one, oh, one time, uh, one of our friends was hanging out with us, and he said, I think that some midgets are magic. Uh, (laughs) Some probably are.
0: I like that exercise, yeah, because it's true, like, you know, I I mean, you went to film school, so maybe you know this, but um, you know how, like, back in the day like in the tens, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, they used to censor a lot of films. Like they had like the production code administration and they would decide what what is allowed to be shown or said and what is not. And they would censor everything. They would censor homosexuality. They would censor black and white miscegenation. They would censor cursing, of course. They would censor anything that implied sex and so it was like like a lot of sanitized films and um what all those creators were doing was like ways of getting around those censorship codes and yeah. still portray things like homosexuality, black and white relations, sex, you know, some kind of innuendo, right? Like they were really mm-hmm. trying to get around those codes but still do it. So it's like as comics maybe we kind of have a similar task or we have a similar sort of role in society in that, yeah, there are certain words that we cannot say. There are certain concepts that are taboo, but how do we get around that and still make the joke land and still talk about it? Because just because we don't talk about it, doesn't mean that it's not happening. It's still happening. Oh yeah.
1: And that's the thing. It's just like, that's the difference between like a good comic and maybe a comic that's trying to go for a shock value like uh like i i was doing a joke a couple weeks in a row where it was Mm. fun but i'm kind of putting it away because it's dumb and it's shock valuey i don't know if it's a good joke but i would just go up and be like uh i think kobe faked it uh and like how do you like uh, a helicopter into a mountain that's a bit dramatic that doesn't seem like Uh how do you Uh hit a mountain was it was his daughter flying that was a joke wow uh, and okay. that went over really well in like a dark mm-hmm. room with comics and i tried it at two exactly. shows and nothing no yeah so.
0: no that's the thing that's the other thing that's the other problem that you run into is like comics we have like a higher threshold for shocking things because oh, yeah. we're just kind of dulled out at this point and so in order to make like an open mic room laugh we have to sort of push the envelope pretty hard right. but that's not a good barometer when it comes to testing the waters for what a mainstream audience might like in say north carolina or in fucking tennessee or wherever also, the fuck
1: like in. i i see these these are there's huge comics who like put out albums really consistently or specials like maybe every couple of years there's even some who put out every year something mm-hmm. new and mm-hmm. and like a lot of younger comics are like struggling to get their first hour together or even their Mm. first half hour of like tight, solid material. And it's like, okay, how are these, are these huge comics that are getting hours out every single year? Just like that much better. And I'm like, first of all, yeah, they probably are because they're, they, they're like good and they've been doing it for a while. But also when you're performing your newly written jokes only when you're not having to do open mics and you're booked all the time and you're doing the store or improv, and you're doing your newly written jokes in front of live audiences, you're probably keeping a lot more. Like, I feel like Hmm. open micers end up probably in the time we're open micing, we'll probably throw away some decent jokes just because open micers didn't like them. And then we never got to them in front of audiences.
0: That's true. That's true. It's a fine balance, you know, is and ultimately, you're the only person who can decide Right. Like yeah. so you're talking about this Kobe Bryant joke and it's like it didn't land so well with the audiences. It's it's like, okay. But Kobe Bryant's death is still relatively and it's Ill. LA. Yeah. And it's LA. It's like LA's hero. And uh, you know, I have I have I have like really old jokes that I wrote, you know, long time ago, and then I would stop using them just because I got sick of them or right. because like I, I didn't know how I felt about them. And then time passes and then I dig it back out and then I'm like oh I could deliver this joke a little bit better now you know so and I get a different perspective on it so that happens too oh yeah it's like
1: especially if you I might have like a one-liner that I like had by itself and it's like kind of working by itself but then I shelf it and maybe a year later I think of the joke that and I'm like okay this actually fits right there and that's exactly
0: exactly that's that's the best it's like we're we're trying to we have, like, a puzzle box, but we're creating the pieces as we move along to make it the full picture. Yeah, yeah. I
1: actually really, like, it's fun to go up certain times, especially at mics and stuff, and just kind of, like, riff and, like, decide what, but I'm actually a really big fan of, like, building out your set list and, like, like huh. kind of, like, organizing, like, especially for a show, like, organizing yes. exactly, because, like, you can then, then once everything's, like, in front of you and on paper, you can see, like, actually, this joke, would be funnier if before that and then like mm-hmm. you can like make jokes like kind of like joke math you're yeah like, like, figuring out how things fit together and it'll like a a good s- joke will like come across even better if it's like surrounded by the right things
0: yeah for sure did you start comedy out in the like out in Tennessee or North Carolina or I, start I started in
1: Nashville? Nashville and I didn't oh what was that scene like it was it was cool it was interesting it was um there weren't a lot of shows being produced like the, there were a lot of mics and I did the mics, but I never, I don't think I ever really even got booked while I was in Nashville. I kind of, I did it for about two years in Nashville and just did mics and they had zanies. That was the big club. Yeah. Uh, but there, there just wasn't like a, there wasn't really an indie scene of like production and shows and stuff. And I really didn't know enough to produce my own at the time right uh but it was like yeah it was just miking and there were some cool people but like i think the the big thing was just like try to get in it with zanies and like try uh-huh. to get into that club and i never i was also like not all in in nashville i was like maybe doing a couple mics a week uh mm. and then when i came to la i it was similar it was like a couple mics a week and maybe a show and mm. then like pandemic is when i was like okay like i just stopped working at disney and I was like, and I started doing some more stand-up, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, this is what I want. And I was like, okay, now every day is this mm. thing.
0: So you were doing it via Zoom a lot, probably. I did a lot
1: of Zoom comedy. And wow, I'm so happy that I'm not anymore. But I did, I did yeah. like Zoom festivals, and like, Whoa. I did Dat Fans show a lot. It was, Whoa. it was a whole, and I, it was terrible. I, I don't even know what I was doing. It was just cause yeah. I wanted to do something and there were some opportunities popping up with it. So I was like, let's just do it. And yeah. so I like, cause that, you know, that fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he he was like, I, I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. So I just listened to whatever people told me to do. And I did them and he was <laughs> like, you need to have a solid background behind you. And so I, and you need to be standing up and, and I have a fake microphone and I did all of that. And, but I didn't have like a way to like mount like a solid background behind me. So what I would do is every night before I did like a Zoom mic or a Zoom show, I would like duct tape this black <laughs> curtain I had to my ceiling. Just, wow. it was like a 30 minute process of duct taping <laughs> a curtain to my ceiling. And it would like fall during shows. <laughs> <laughs> and like on me and it was at, it was like it didn't even look good cuz like when i was done i would just bundle it all up and the tape would get all over the curtain yeah and it was yeah. it looked messy and it was just like but that's what i would do for like i did that for like i don't know peak zoom comedy times i was
0: doing jesus that. oh my god okay so you put a lot into it
1: I did, and I don't know if I got a lot out of it. I think I got like my joy of performing, and it was like, yeah, it it helped launch me into when things started to open back up. Mm -hmm. It helped me like want to do that, Mm -hmm. and launched me into doing that. Um, Yeah, but yeah, it was, it was rough. I.
0: I know. I felt similarly when I was doing Zoom shows and Zoom mics, I was just like, I'm just keeping up with this because if I don't, I feel like I'll go insane. So yeah. it's really more of like a lifeline rather than me being getting good at comedy because you're not going to get good at comedy doing it via Zoom. And no. all the all the jokes would be in front of me, you know, like my memory was shot to hell during the pandemic. Like oh, yeah. I, I was
1: smoking re- a lot of weed.
0: Yeah, I just, I couldn't tell like what time was anymore. And so I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't memorize anything. So I would have the jokes in front of me. And so when the, when things started opening back up and I was starting to do live shows again, I had to sort of like rework my brain into remembering my set list. Like the first Mm -hmm. several shows that I did, I remember losing everything, like going totally blank. You know, even though I have like years of material that's there that I've been doing, Mm -hmm. it would just go blank and i would have to like do cr- fill it with crowd work until my memory would be jogged to the joke again you know yeah but,
1: it, yeah did you ever try crowd work over zoom
0: i mean when i did zoom shows i would do crowd work almost like 80% of the time because it's just hard to see or tell like who the fuck is laughing and you know who's yeah. into it it's so just Yeah, I would just like read the names off the thing and make fun of the names or I would like see somebody like looking funny and I would just make fun of them and that's Mm -hmm. when they would always light back up because they the way that they're looking at it is like they're not seeing a live show they're looking at a screen. And the way that we treat screens is like we treat it like it's just another member of the family It's just like you're just there. You're not even a live person. You're just there. Like, yeah. I can do it while doing dishes. I could watch you while taking out the garbage. I could leave you on in the background. That's how people I used to like
1: screens. Yeah. I used to just, like, hang with my roommate while I was doing a Zoom show if I wasn't on. I would, like, be yeah. my self.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We would, we we do a lot of different shit. Like, we don't focus on our screens. Our screens I are. I barely laugh secondary. when I watch
1: a, like, a special on Netflix. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm watching it exactly. and, like, this is funny, but I'm not even reacting.
0: Exactly. It's very, very hard to actually laugh out loud when you're watching a screen. But that's the difference. It's like, I don't know. I was, uh, I was kind of talking to faculty members at USC about this because they're, like, very um at the forefront of digital media and like vr and ar technology and as soon as a lockdown happened i was thinking like there's gonna come a time when a comedian v- like through vr ar projection will be able to appear in the living rooms of everybody yeah. just in their, rooms. that day will come but what aspect of liveness are they going to tr- focus on simulating is it eye contact? Is it, laugh- yeah. Is it the laughter feedback? Because those things are very important for the comedians in order to do their jobs well and get the crowd to laugh, right?
1: To be your best, for sure. You need like all that stuff. You need to be, I mean, like I guess if they did like that kind of thing, it would be, would the comedian, it would, would the idea would be that the comedian could also like interact and see their audience. That would be interesting.
0: Exactly, because it would be
1: one thing for them like to just be on a stage, yeah, and then them just having them like digitally projected into people's homes. Exactly, but
0: like, exactly. yeah, to so, like
1: have like private little shows for people. Yeah.
0: You have to have some element of interactivity, mm-hmm. um, I guess, kind of like what Oprah and Obama did during the pandemic. Like they were both projected, but they were simulated and shown as if they're sitting in the same room. Like, yeah i remember that so like that's like one step towards something like that but um you know with comedy it's like there's so many nuances to a live show that i just feel like can't get picked up with vr ar technology until very very like way later when things that's are be super good. advanced you know
1: and i don't even think current technology good. is that good i mean it's great but it's also like it all it's breaks. Not. You know, like, I've never met a single person who's, like, had a piece of technology that has worked the whole time. It it all fucks up.
0: It does. You know, ironically, you know what used to work all the time? Like, just, you could count on it. Those um, old school analog tube televisions. Like, those tube TVs. Like, they never broke. They never break. But flat screens, flat screens, they break, like, lifespan is, like, five years you know yeah most it's just yeah, so wasteful sure. it's really really wasteful like back in the day families would buy one tv and have it for an entire lifetime you know but i um, build like
1: I, yeah I you're build right like
0: the technology is fucking... not as reliable
1: no it's not i mean like i build a pc like when i can like to video game and do graphics editing and like i have to replace parts every five years mm-hmm it's it's annoying and it's expensive, but i wish I wish people would stop like trying to get new stuff and just fix the shit we have and make it work better
0: it's actually it's all a big illusion, right It's like do you actually do you actually need this new thing because it is better or is it just like a trend thing no, is it, yeah you know like it's more of a waste thing. people really. love
1: it's, people it's... like that dopamine hit of getting a new thing and like I love it. I'm a fucking. I'm terrible with money. I buy shit all the time. I I shouldn't, and I but I do it. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but it's like it's a it's a hit. It's a dopamine rush.
0: It is. It is. It is. It's uh. It's ridiculous how simple we are as uh creatures, um, that you know actually that waste is the thing that causes us momentary bliss, and that we are willing to do that. Yeah. So okay, so you um you moved from Tennessee, moved from Nashville. You say your father's Indian. Uh-huh. Um like what was that like growing up as an in- half Indian?
1: My, my American? family, yeah, my family is very American. Like even my grandpa, my dad is a first generation. So he's Indian, but he was born here. Okay. My grandparents right. came over. My grandparents came Got over it. like in their 20s. So they adapted okay. to American. My my grandpa's a doctor, so he they adapted uh-huh. to American life immediately. Like it's annoying because uh-huh. like I want to be able to hear my my parents and my grandparents talk about racism and like having trouble. <laughs> and my dad's like, Nah, my dad pretty much lived the life of a white person. Like he didn't experience <laughs> that shit. And I'm like, I can't believe I, I'm not. I, so I just have to live the life of a white person. I don't get to go around and be yeah. like, you don't know what my family my family didn't go through shit like. <laughs> They didn't do. There's nothing really to. They didn't have to go through the hard immigration process. I guess there's not. I don't uh, know. North Carolina doesn't have a lot of uh, Indian problems. I guess.
0: Hmm. I guess technically, um, what's his face? Is he sorry? Isn't he from North Carolina? He's from
1: South Carolina. Oh, uh,
0: sorry. So, yeah, yeah, same thing.
1: I mean, South Carolina is more racist. It just like it. It's as racist as it is south. Like, it's just like you get progressively more as you go down. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah. like, yeah, no, Aziz, I think Aziz was first generation. I was second, and my mom's very white, and obviously I'm very white. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah, like, I I wish I could say, like, because I say that I'm Indian and shit, but I wish I could, Mm -hmm. like, say it in a way where it was, like, actually diverse like i'm not really because like my family doesn't we don't other than like being from a place yeah it like i don't have any of the i wouldn't have anything to bring up at a meeting you know like the indian meeting where we all talk (laughs) about what's what life is like that's different for us indian americans like i don't know I, i didn't yeah nothing i go to india every four years though which is fun
0: okay yeah, that's something. Yeah. It's and cool. I think it's also something to talk about that experience to be like, you're, you're not, it's like, yeah, maybe you expect me to give you a sad story about growing up in the South for, with an Indian family, but it's like, I don't have that actually, you know, and then you could talk about your unique experience as not having had that. Let's uh, keep going. Um, cool. I, I want to ask you some flashcard questions. For sure. It's based on a show called uh, When a Man Loves. It's like a very campy, soapy kind of Korean drama. Okay, Okay. so I'm just gonna ask you questions based on scenes from the show, and you just answer like what you would do if you were in that situation, okay? All right. So let's say you're a young woman named Bido, and your parents run a small bookstore, and you have a younger brother who's trying to become a K-pop star and you're studying and you're working hard to move up in the world and your father takes out a loan with some loan sharks because he's struggling with his bookstore and a man named Tishang comes in and just destroy just just destroys your house and your business beats up your dad demanding payment it's all violent what do you do
1: oh what do i okay in that all right let me try to get this Get this together. So, my father, he's a simple bookstore man who's mm-hmm. gone with some lunch So, he's not. Okay. Is my father the only person that's been beat up? Is, yeah. Is my brother and my mother? Okay. I okay. think. <laughs> I, um. I'm just watching my father get beaten up. I don't, I don't know what, what, what to do when, when somebody is getting beaten up in front of me. So I guess I would just like, uh, I wouldn't help anybody out. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be very helpful. So I would probably, I don't know, my health is destroyed. This, I, maybe I just kill myself. This seems pretty, (laughs) pretty, my dad's got beaten up. My brother wants to be a K-pop star. I don't want to be related to that. Like. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't, maybe that wouldn't be the first thing I'd do, but I don't know. I don't have money. I'm a young Korean girl. Where am I supposed to Uh get money to pay back this loan trick? I guess I would, I would, uh. I would find I guess in order to pay him back, I would try to jumpstart my brother's stupid K-pop star career. The sooner my brother gets famous, the sooner I can stop this guy from beating up my dad, which I assume is what he's just going to continually do until Mm -hmm. he's just going to keep punching him until my brother's famous and we'll send Mm -hmm. him some money. So, so I would bring my brother to, is it easier to make it as a pop star in Korea? I bring him to like Scandinavia, somewhere, okay. somewhere that doesn't have a lot of diversity and a lot of talent. And okay. I bring my brother. I don't. It, hopefully, my brother is good. We might have to pay for some singing lessons. Uh, if he's shit, then we're fucked. But okay. Uh, yeah, I think I get him famous in okay. Scandinavia. Take all his money. Give the minimal wow. amount I can to my dad. And you know, okay. live life
0: shit all right so you just become his manager okay that's that's yeah. a very practical pragmatic solution okay um let's say you're Vido again you're the same chick all right okay. the man who beat the shit out of your dad tells you that he actually he actually digs you he likes you he wants oh, you to be like his gr- yeah he's into he wants you to be his girlfriend How and old am he promised you're like early 20s early 20s okay and you know he's like early 30s but he promises to protect you and your family from here on out from any other loan sharks and thugs what do you do
1: oh so he he's just like into me now that's fun i uh i think do i i guess i don't have to promise and yeah i i'll fuck him uh right away uh <laughs> i just like lock it wow. down i don't want to i don't know if it's a temporary offer so i just lo- lo- lock okay. down this offer right away this seems i have no i'm, I'm promiscuous i have no fear of my body uh i'll fucking right there in front of everyone uh, does that mean that my dad's like trying to what what are their loan sharks is my dad fucked with
0: I mean, with the gang world, it's like, it's, it's, it's always the whole a, town. My da- it's a messy thing. You I know? don't know.
1: I just think that if my dad's bookstore wasn't doing well, he's just less capitalism. Take it. <sighs> why, why fucking do this? Why, why put us through this? Now your daughter's fucking the man that just beat you up in front of you. <laughs> you put this on yourself.
0: Yeah, that's true. All of he this is true. He deserves it. It's kind of his fault. You're right. Mm-hmm. okay and his son's a pop
1: star you're obviously a bad father <laughs> or a, a wannabe pop star
0: okay well you know it's it's a whole industry so they they do have trainees like k-pop trainees okay. it's like a whole All concept right. there Um uh, but yeah it's it's uh you don't make any money from being a trainee it just you just hemorrhage more money okay okay so let's say you're uh, a young man named Chae-Hee. Finally, you're you're like in your mid-20s uh you have an older brother figure named taesang who took care of you all your life taesang is that gangster guy uh taesang, is he the gangster
1: guy that the the like the beat up the other person's dad
0: uh-huh, uh-huh and, and okay, went out with it. his his daughter yeah um but taesang he's a very generous guy he helped you go to school he helped you every step of the way to become a successful educated young man and you got a job and you go to guam on a work trip And in Guam, you meet a really hot, fun, young woman named Mido. And when you get back home to Seoul, you realize that the hot, fun, young woman that you like is actually dating your older brother figure, Taesang. What do you do?
1: So my older brother, let me get this straight. The the lady, the person that I fucked earlier on is dating (laughs) someone else? You guys didn't fuck. You, you, you
0: guys you guys didn't fuck. you guys just kind of like flirted a oh. lot and hung out a lot just had a great time you Still, guys did not did not have any physical intimacy <laughs> i'm a good yeah. christian yeah. korean
1: person <laughs> and I, I i can't believe what i'm hearing that that this man yeah. who promised to protect my family and said that he liked me is in a relationship yeah. and then okay so i'm this yeah. guy and i hear that my brother and I assume as his brother, I know nothing of his attempts to woo this other family. Because mm. if I did, I'm fucking pulling that trigger right away. I have no yeah. loyalty. I'll be like, my brother was cheating on you. Date me. Um, <laughs> okay. I I won't. I have no dilemma in that. I mean, you guys see how me put me through school, but like, what am I doing now? I'm going to Guam? <laughs> what did I do in school to end up there? The poor people live there right that's not even a us territory it's no it is a us territory it's not part of the main us it is yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah it's, it's like, a US territory. Uh,
1: so it's like i don't know okay. i mean guam i guess if guam was fun i'd appreciate my brother more if i had a good time in guam and and i found out he was dating this person to yeah. be honest my what coming from me what i would do is yeah. uh, leave it alone shut up don't tell anyone and then yeah. hold it inside
0: <laughs> okay fair enough okay let's say you're hung now you're that lone shark gangster thug guy okay. okay you come from a really sad background you have no family you have no support no real education but you fought your way up to become a gang leader and beat up and killed a lot of people to get to where you are mm-hmm. all right but you put your thug days behind you and started your own business you're very successful now and mido is starting to warm up to you and one day you come home and you see that there's a shirt that doesn't belong to you in your closet and mito was in your house at the same time and you suspect that it's your friend chehi's shirt what do you do
1: okay i'm trying to remember all the names that you've said
0: okay yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah
1: so and you're I, a gangster guy i'm a gangster guy and i yeah. think that so i have a girlfriend whose name what's my girlfriend's name her
0: name's mito
1: Okay, so I th- so but I I see the other girl's shirt in my house,
0: the other guy's shirt. That guy, oh that you sent my to brother and stuff. Yeah, your your younger brother figure. You guys are not related, but you guys are. Oh, like we're not related. That guy. So, oh, he, I his see. His shirt is happened. in your fucking house. Yeah.
1: Oh, and I've put my beaten up and murdering days behind me. <laughs> yeah. So was, yeah, th- you'd think. Well, obviously, I'm feeling. Feelings for another person, and I could use this right. I'm feeling feelings for the lady whose dad I beat up. Oh, that's the same lady. Oh, that's the
0: same lady. It's the same lady. I. That's the same lady. It's the same. It's you. You've been faithful to this one young woman this whole time. I don't.
1: I thought I was a cheater. I don't know Korean. (laughs) I just. I thought you said different names. No, no, no. I've been faithful. Oh, okay. So I don't have anyone else. I have no other. No
0: one. No one. Yeah.
1: And my little brother figure is shirt is just in my idiot move. First of all, yeah. How do you think I don't know my own brother's shirt? Yeah, my own fake brother's t-shirt. Yeah. I um. Well. I I would take the shirt. And. And I would uh. I would rip it up. Okay. Out of just just first thing he doesn't get to have a shirt. His shirt's gone. Yeah that's the first thing that's the first that's punishment number one of three Uh, I rip up his shirt Um, punishment number two I'll spread a rumor about him oh wow Uh, like a rumor that he like like I don't like that he sits in the shower Uh, something something mild but like objectively like people will look down on him (laughs) Okay. Get that word out. Okay. Uh like he always then then I would say I would go to him and say, I bet you're wondering who's who's been terrorizing your life recently. Who's been like spread who's been like rip, ripping up your shirt and spreading this this rumor? And I'm gonna whisper in his ear, I know. <laughs> and then and then let that tear himself apart inside. Uh and then and then wait for him to come to me with the truth. Yeah very unconfrontational Mm -hmm. i need him to tell admit to me
0: yeah yeah okay that's what i would do very good wow okay it seems like you're on the right page with this the tone of this um kind of show so that's good is that
1: was i right is that what happened
0: um something like that something kind of like that Okay. okay okay let's say you're taesang okay you're you're that gangster thug guy you, com- cool. you complain about how sad you are because you think that your girlfriend is being unfaithful to you. Um, so your number two, your second in command, your stooge, his name is Chang-hee, and Chang-hee is actually Che okay. um, hees older brother. Like they're actually related, all Che right? Jae-hee is the guy whose shirt was in your house, the younger brother, ah. father that you supported, okay? Cool. But Chang-hee is Che hees older brother and he's your number two. What He does is he takes matters into his own hands and he runs down your girlfriend with his car. He attempted to murder her, okay? But she did not die. She just, she loses the ability to walk and she seems to have lost her memory. What do you do?
1: What, (laughs) how how much memory? Like, Like she
0: knows who you are, She could like identify certain people, but she can't remember who Chehi is, like the shirt guy. She can't remember who he is.
1: Interesting. Okay, well, it's not all bad. That's not terrible. Uh, huh. I, she can't walk. Yeah. That's rough. Well, not permanently. Uh, Legs are healthy. Not permanently. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really see what he did wrong. (laughs) Uh, he, uh, yeah, I mean, you get, you lose your legs for a second, permanent. Maybe we could talk, <laughs> but like, were you're telling me she just doesn't remember the guy she's been cheating on yeah, me with.
0: Yeah.
1: Fine. And then now I'll make sure they'll never meet. Okay. And then, you know what? I'd, I'd ask him to go hit my brother, my the other guy too. I do the same thing. If I could ask my number two to hit the younger guy in the same way, like, like, hopefully, like, maybe we can get him to go to the exact same location and then like walk in the same yeah. way in the same yeah. angle, same results. Uh-huh. Make sure he goes to a different hospital yeah. that my girlfriend's not in. So they don't yeah. meet. They both lose their memories mm-hmm. of each other. This is like, a, it's like a very, uh, roundabout way to In eternal sunshine somebody. (laughs) Uh, yeah.
0: Hit him with problem solved. Yeah. (laughs) Eternal sunshine somebody. Okay, okay. Very good. Last question. Last question. You're you're Tisang again. You're that gangster guy. Turns out your girlfriend, Mido, she was pretending to have lost her memory because she was afraid if you found out about her having feelings for your younger brother figure, Tihi, she was afraid that you would go and kill the both of them. So, your girlfriend is actually afraid of you as she thinks you're a monster and she's putting on a show to keep you from murdering people. What do you do?
1: Interesting. So, she's putting on. She's faking it. Yeah.
0: Her.
1: Interesting. She actually okay. has a... And she's afraid that I'm going to murder yeah. her and her. But let's prove her right. <laughs> no. Um. I'm not going to kill a bunch of people. I mean, it seems like it would be a the thing I do. I I guess that I mean, I I really liked it when she didn't have her memory and I'm kind of mad knowing that she has it. So I guess we just keep hitting her with the car until until it happens. Light hits. Maybe we hold her head up Just hit the head part. Like bump it a little bit. Or what else causes memory loss? Uh, Could I give her a tumor? Like, I don't know. Something something not super violent. That'll just make her forget. Just violent enough. (laughs) Just a
0: touch of violence.
1: Yeah. Preferably, she can forget. And like, I mean, also, I don't know. I beat up her dad in front of her and she started dating me i mean obviously this is what she likes so i so so we're just gonna uh, run her in with the car until she forgets
0: okay that's very um thug like of you that's very g i think it's (laughs) okay yeah it's great talking to you jp thank you
1: yeah it's great talking to you
0: okay